You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Your week two pregame show. Yes, the quick turnaround from Sunday to week two, Thursday night football. Cincinnati Bengals coming first energy to face the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football. Your pregame show is brought to you by the fine folks at Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner store, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need your and our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Joining me here tonight on the pregame show, and a little bit different, and I'm glad to have him. You guys know here before, at Real Corey Kinnon. Corey Kinnon from With the First Pick and Dog Pound Daily. We're going to get to Corey here in a second. Just a quick preview on your injury reports. Greedy Williams out, Kevin Johnson out, Mac Wilson out, Jacob Phillips out, Montreal, Montreal Meander brought up from the practice squad. Guys, there was no linebacker you were going to sign on Monday, and it was going to be a part of this game. So that is why Montreal Meander has brought up here. Questionable, Jack Conklin, Chris Hubbard, J.C. Treader, Jarvis Landry, Olivier Vernon, Jedrick Wills. Look, on a short week, a lot of folks are going to be questionable. It doesn't matter if it's week one, two, or up until like 15 or 16, just the way it rolls here. We're going to start it, kicking it off. You guys know the drill. We go Browns offense versus the opposing defense, Browns defense versus the opposing offense, and some game thoughts, and that is exactly what we'll do here with Corey. Corey, obviously, you know, a sour taste in the mouth here after week one for Browns and their fans. So as much as this could be a double-edged sword for the Browns going into a game so quickly after a poor showing, there's a chance to get that out and, and maybe feel better about themselves for 10 days before week three versus the Washington football team. And I have not screwed that name up yet. But Corey, how you been? Some thoughts here as we roll on into a quick turnaround to week two. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I've been I've been very good. Um, just, you know, trying to get through this uh, COVID stuff still. We got football back, which is helping. But yeah, uh, Week one was ugly. Um, I mean, I expected a loss um, just with the Browns going against the defending AFC North champs, defending most valuable player. Um, I, I was hoping it wouldn't be as ugly as it was, though. Um, so short turnaround. Um, hoping to get back in the win column as, as Joe Burrow, Austin Seibert, and the Fighting Tigers come to town. <laughs> and for everybody who was uh, talking about the Austin Seibert, Randy Bullock, practiced in full today so we'll see if austin cybert is even part of this uh but let's talk about this browns offense versus this Bengals d two key players look the Bengals did a nice job in the offseason of putting together a defensive line especially defensive tackle you know they brought in mike daniels brought in dj reader to pair with geno atkins atkins isn't going to play mike daniels isn't going to play Corey. What worked and what looked really good all summer long and what looked good 
Sunday versus the Ravens until it was basically taken away from them by the way the game unfolded and the score unfolded was the run game. The advantage is here. I do believe we'll get Jack Conklin. I do believe Jedrick Wills is going to play as well. You're going to get this offensive line. And that was a bright spot Sunday. I don't want to say it was a bright spot. It was a bright spot because it seemed like they meshed well first time going out and facing live opponents, which we figured this was going to go to this route. And it was kind of funny with Jedrick Wills is nobody really spoke about Jedrick Wills until he was out of the game, which was good. That's what you wanted. You didn't want to hear his name because we've seen left tackles in the past, rookie left tackles, Desmond Harrison getting blown up for sacks, penalties. But Jedrick Wills, if you didn't hear his name on Sunday, that was a good thing, obviously, until the injury hit. It's setting up here. And look, I know everybody wants to harp on getting Odell involved, getting Baker right. I think the best most important thing for this franchise right now is finding a way just to get the win. So everybody can kind of do a whoosah and then have 10 days to prepare for Washington. And the recipe here seems and looks simple. Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly had really nice days Sunday for the chargers against this Bengals defense. Neither one of these guys can hold the coffee for Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So I just Rewatched the broadcast of um, the Browns and Ravens game because L22 is not out yet. Uh, but watching the Browns. Somebody had to get that dig Browns, in there. Good job. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I th- thought I'd work it in there for the, for the you know, the clubs. Um, but uh, looking at that game, the Browns were absolutely gashing the Ravens in the first half. I mean, the first play of the game was an 11-yard run by Chubb. Hunt had a 10-yard run and I think another 15-plus yard run. Chubb had another 15-plus yard run. Uh, if you look at them, they both average at least five and a half yards a carry. Um, 23 touches between the two, well over 100, 100 yards. Uh, so I think that's obviously got to be the plan of attack. I think it will be interesting, um, just because I don't know if you read that, the the Andrew Barry Ringer article that came out today, and he they, t- they talked with Andrew Barry about offensive philosophy and revolving around the quarterback and how they know that passing the ball and defending the pass are the two keys to winning games. Um, and in the, the – uh, the first week, uh, the Browns actually passed 58% of the time compared to 42. And you could say, yeah, well, that's because they played from behind the whole second half. Uh, so they had to get out of their offensive rhythm. Uh, I do think they're probably going to stick to a more predominant passing offense, but it will be interesting to see what that gap between the pass and run looks like. I think it will be probably more 55-45, 52-48, somewhere around there. Um, but 23 carries between the two running backs, I would assume it's probably going to be around there again this week maybe a little bit more, especially when you're talking about those, you know, we're talking about Geno Atkins and, and Mike Daniels being out this week. Um, but I mean, that's a good problem to have is having two good running backs. So um, I think that'll absolutely be where they start. And hopefully as long as they don't, and I don't anticipate, anticipate them getting behind early against the Bengals, they should be able to stay in that rhythm um, that they were in early. You know, um, there were three really good drives against the Ravens where, uh, the offense seemed like it was really flowing. You could see the rhythm. You could see the game plan. Uh, the one, it was a 13-play drive that somehow ended in a fourth and 41. They had nine good <laughs> plays leading up to that, and then four straight penalties. Uh, that the, the drive to end the half that ended in the drop pass and then this hit. They drove down, you know, gotten field goal range there. Uh, the touchdown drive was another good drive. Uh, so you can see the rhythm of the offense, which is something you could never say about the Freddie era. Um, but now it's about finishing. It's about putting it all together and it's about not playing from behind. So you can't use your game plan to your advantage. 
And and look, and this is where there's going to be difficulties. And look, you know, I'll never bring fantasy into you know overall gameplay, but this is an issue they're going to have when you are spread out at the skill positions, whether it's the tight end position. And um, Corey, myself, and many others, how'd you all feel about David Njoku on Sunday? And it stinks to not have him for three weeks. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Harrison Bryan, you know, he had opportunities early. Maybe this is a better scenario for him. But this is more about, you know, as, as much as everybody says, oh, you got to get Odell going. You got to get Odell going. Austin Hooper was one of the stars of camp. And we didn't see much play action, Corey, which is what we thought a lot of this offense was going to be based upon. Um, Austin Hooper should flourish and should, you know, just have easy pickings when the, within this. So as much as everybody wants to say we need to get Odell involved, we need to maybe start getting Austin Hooper on the road to what should be the big season that everybody thought could be there for him. Absolutely. And if, and if Jarvis isn't healthier 100%, uh, they're going to need somebody who's that reliable target underneath that Landry has been over the past you know, two or three years. Um, if you want to count his first year in Cleveland as a success, but last year absolutely was, and then he put it together a good week uh, on Sunday. But if he's out, then then Hooper's absolutely going to need to be that reliable threat underneath um, that, that Baker can count on if, if Jarvis can't go. Um, the, the lack of play action was baffling. Um, some will say, well, you can't have play action on running the ball, but that's just absolutely not true, and there's tons of data to show that. Um, so that will be interesting to see. I, I, I would hope that they would, they would get back into the rhythm of um, I also saw they used like near the bottom of the league in pre-snap motion, um, which if you watch Vikings tape, that's what all Stefanski is doing. He's moving his fullback out wide to try to diagnose the defense what they're in man or zone. He's moving tight ends everywhere, and you didn't see a lot of that on Sunday. So um, I don't know if Stefanski was just trying to keep it simple in his first ever game or, um, you know, playing the Ravens and Baker's first ever time playing in a, in a system that's not a vertical offense. Um, whatever it was, but, but maybe we see them open it up a little bit more this week, or, you know, we might see them still try to keep it simple after uh, Sunday didn't go super well. So uh, that will certainly be something to, to keep an eye on. For me, I just think everybody within that building right now with, you know, what, what's being said and look, I, I understand you fans. And look, if the score was 38 to 22, I think everybody would have felt a lot more comfortable with things. The score being 38 to six. Look, I get it. I was upset. Everybody was upset. And the folks who cover this team, Corey, Pete Smith, Sam Panics, and obviously the guys over the were upset. I mean, you figured you'd see a little bit of better showing. And as far as the motion, folks, this is how you get the defense to tip their hands. And, yes, this was a huge part of what Minnesota did. But not doing that. And, look, this could have maybe been, hey, we understand we're not there yet. And who knows the actual percentage of what the Browns offense is installed to this point. It may have been a, hey, we're playing Cincinnati. We're playing Washington. And maybe Washington, you know, let's not talk about them, you know, like we used to make jokes about Washington with the defense that they have. But this is where you can kind of get a tell, have the defense have to show their hands, so to speak. And that's the importance of, you know, what, what it is. And, look, Stefanski, smart, will never give up anything he does not have to. So we don't know the true story. So hopefully we're going to see, and it's hard to believe how much more we can see of this Browns offense tomorrow night as opposed to what we just saw three days ago. Certainly a question. But, you know, I would just like to see things look a little bit more crisp. We're going to flip the script here a little bit with Corey, in a second with Corey. We're going to go to the Browns defense. 
versus this Bengals offense. More coming on your pregame Locked on Browns. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze and Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeezable tube. CBD Recover contains CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you support you need when it matters most. I'm old. Trust me. This stuff intrigues me. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they are offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL, all caps, space in between at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD, promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. We get to the Bengals now, Corey. And it was, you know, for Joe Burrow, I think what everybody thought about Joe Burrow, we probably got a good indication of that. Um, you know, we'll take that stupid little shovel pass out of the way. Um, but I, I think we have a young man who plays with confidence. It different than the confidence we saw from Breaker Mayfield as a rookie. Um, obviously, weapons, he certainly has them, whether it's the wide receiver position. Joe Mixon was weirdly not used so much on Sunday. We'll see how that plays out. But the first thing I'm looking at here, Corey, is what this Browns defensive line is capable of. And Larry Ogunjobi, to be the star of Sunday against Baltimore, kind of has me even more kind of like lifting this Browns D line up because we weren't sure where Larry has been. And obviously this transformation for him with his body and just continually you know, trying to You'll add more muscle, add more quickness, lose overall, you know, just bulk, which is a little bit different for a defensive tackle. But a lot of these younger players, everybody's looking to the Aaron Donald model. But Joe Burrow hit six times and hit hard, sacked three times. Miles Garrett versus Jonah Williams. I mean, that is like a chef's kiss matchup. Um, You, me, my dog, your dog, your mom versus Bobby Hart is a fantastic matchup. This is one where this defensive line should just absolutely ravage what the Cincinnati Bengals are putting out as far as an offensive line right now. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, mean, even if you watch the Ravens game, the the Browns defensive front was the strong point of their team. Both interiors were, which is baffling to say, considering last year the defensive line was completely mangled and the offensive line was just as bad. Uh, but I, I don't think you can take enough credit away from what Lamar Jackson was able to do on Sunday, his ability to navigate space. I think up front, the Browns did what they wanted to do. They had the edges. They had the edges, you know, crash in and, and, and contain, but he was just so fluid and so smooth at being able to step up and navigate the pocket and just somehow still get out. Uh, but, I mean, we're talking about uh, tackles from Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown to Jonah Williams and Bobby Hart. So, uh, and, and the Bengals just lost their starting right guard, who already wasn't very good. He's bounced around the league quite a bit, and now he's even out. Um, 
but I think I think you're absolutely correct to, to highlight Larry Ogunjobi. And um, the thing with Larry is you've always known about his his freak of athletic ability. That's always been pitched. His his body transformation, you know, growing up overweight. But then when he stepped on the field, it seemed like that functional play strength wasn't there. The technique was raw. And he was just winning based off of these, these athletic traits and instincts, basically. Um, but on Sunday, you saw club rips. You saw swim rips. You saw combinations. You saw him actually putting technique together. And so uh, entering year four contract year, maybe this is the, finally the year where, where Larry Ogunjobi's otherworldly athletic ability for a, a dude who's 300 pounds meets functional play strength and technique. Um, and if that is the case, and week one wasn't just some like high note he started on, uh, then he could be in for not only a massive year, but a, a pretty massive payday as well. Um, but that is certainly a matchup, uh, the Browns defensive line versus the Bengals offensive line that um, seems to significantly favor Cleveland. Now, Corey, we're getting to, you know, obviously, you know, the linebacking unit and look, I mean, we're getting to the point where it's, I mean, it, it was a band-aid unit. I mean, now it's a sutured unit, you know, BJ Goodson and, you know, cap off to Sione Taki Taki you know, for the effort he put together Sunday, certainly the most amount of reps he's ever seen, but look confident. And Sione is just, what I like about Sione is you can keep it really simple with him and you just tell him, look, be the thug, be the guy who finds people and hits people. And we went through this, you know, not in training camp this year, but in training camp of 2019. Oh, there's a scrum on the field. Some players are getting into it. And it was just like, all right, well, you know, 44 is involved in three seconds later. Sione Takitaki was involved with so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, that role for him, I mean, you're, you've are you lost Phillips. You've lost Mac Wilson. These were the guys that were thought to be the modern-day linebacker, linebackers for Joe Woods. Malcolm Smith, in the limited amount of time he did play, you saw some productivity. But I think this is, for me, where maybe we're going to get to see hopefully a little bit more of Ronnie Harrison and where he can maybe help this team because, I mean, you know, Montreal Meander, who was just brought off from the practice squad, Ryan Harrison's a bigger dude. There's just no way around it. He's, you know, he's bigger. He weighs more. He's he's a better of an athlete. And this might be, and granted, not much can happen in 72 hours between, you know, the Ravens game to kicking off tomorrow night at 8.15 against the Bengals. But Ronnie Harrison, this might be where you start to implement him a little bit more. And then maybe Carl Joseph can go back to a little bit more of playing deep free safety so you don't get into a scenario where Andrew Sandejo is trying to chase around a Hollywood Brown, which just is not a fair matchup for a 10-year veteran who was never a great athlete to begin with. Yeah, so that back that back seven was brutal. I mean, outside of – God bless Tavier Thomas. God bless Tavier Thomas. But don't ask somebody to do something that they truly just aren't they're just not that guy. And when he did blitz, he looked great. That was a smart move. But, um, you know, the Ravens like, all right, there's 20. Where's he going? Okay, that's where we're going. That dude may make a Pro Bowl, but it's going to be as a special teamer. And it's not going to be on the defensive side of the ball. He should have made it the Pro Bowl last year, in my, in my opinion, for a special team effort. But that back seven was just awful. Like, I mean, Anderson Deho, I think, was originally brought in here to be a guy who had known – the defensive scheme that Joe Woods wanted to run, but wasn't expected to come in and play as many snaps as he did in week one, but had to because of the injury to Grant Gilbert. Um, one of the more baffling things when you looked at the snap count was 
that Sheldrick Redwine did not get a single defensive snap. Um, and so if I look at the, the struggles of Sendejo um, back there, and then you see Sheldrick Redwine, who by all accounts came along at the end of the year last year, um, seemed to have a pretty good camp and then doesn't get a single defensive snap. Um, so I really want to see a usage of, of the young safeties, Redwine and Harrison, um, as you mentioned. Uh, I would actually prefer to see Joseph maybe closer to the box than, than further back in the defense, um, just because he's shown the ability to set the edge um, uh, out wide as, as in the box safety. Uh, he's shown the ability to, to be a force against the run. Uh, and with struggling linebackers, that might be the way to go. Um, but, man, I mean, looking back at the Ravens game, B.J. Goodson, uh, oh, brother, like – I know the linebacker position doesn't seem to be a huge priority of, of an analytical front office, but a guy who's breaking down five yards off the ball carrier just to make sure that he, he can touch them and not get broken in space is, is not ideal. He, he won't come up and he won't initiate contact in the line of scrimmage. He just kind of sets back and catches. And against Lamar Jackson, it didn't work. Against Joe Burrow, it's not going to work. Against Joe Mixon, it's not going to work. Uh, I, I, but you are right that Sione Takitaki was – that the absolute bright spot played like 92% of the defensive snaps, most out of any defensive player that wasn't a cornerback. Um, and, and I think they've got him in an ideal role as the Sam linebacker, somebody who can come up in the run sport, set an edge. He can play at the second level and still come up. He's still got some work to do in coverage, uh, second year guy. But when you look at Takitaki last year, who could not even find a rep other than special teams until late in the year after being a third round pick, because he just played with his hair on fire and he saw something, put his head down and ran at it most of the time in the wrong direction. So the amount of responsibility and discipline that, that, that Takitaki has seemed to develop over this first year, this first full summer um, in an NFL program to be able to, I mean, he, he was super disciplined on a couple of read options to be right in front uh, in Lamar Jackson's face when he pulled the run. Um, he did a really good job at setting the edge to keep everything inside. Uh, Takitaki was a pleasant surprise of mine um, from Sunday's game. So if there's anywhere to build, um, it's with Takitaki. Uh, and, and then hopefully we see some more, you know, multiple safety packages, which we were told we were going to get coming into the year, but uh, hopefully we get that week too. Well, and that was the thing because, you know, Sheldrick Redwine was going to be a polarizing guy this year because we had no idea what this front office, this coaching staff felt about him. You know, when you go out, you sign two free agent safeties, you draft a grand delta. It, it put Redwine in a really tough spot. We weren't sure what they thought about him. But you thought maybe with the Grand Talbot injury, it was going to give a better opportunity. Look, he, he's probably the best athlete within that safety unit. So let's see if maybe something changes on that front. B.J. Goodson, my, my, my thought, like probably mid, late in the game was, was B.J. Goodson in the Zoom meetings on the offensive side of the ball? Because he looked like a stud in you know everything we saw from the training camp practices certainly did not resonate. Uh, going into, you know, obviously the Baltimore Raven game. Um, so, look, there's guys there with talent, and, you know, there, there's more, you know, at the safety position. Let's see a little bit more of them. You know, Ronnie Harrison, Sheldrick Redwine, the linebacker unit. If it's Sione Takitaki, maybe it's Malcolm Smith. Let's try to maybe change things up a little bit. And I will just go with this here as we close the Bengals offense versus the Browns defense, Corey. What's the – for you, what is the biggest fear of the Bengals offense? If you had to say, let's try to make it a focus to take this away, we're going to take away. And uh, 
I would say Tyler Boyd. Uh, when I look at the Browns' cornerback, I feel like they, they they can hold their own against Green and against Higgins. Is Higgins even healthy? I'm not even sure. But those two big guys on the outside. But but when you get down to the nitty gritty, like okay, who's the nickel? Who's potentially the coverage linebacker they might put out in in the slot um, in zone coverage? Who's the safety going to come down and potentially take on the slot wide receiver? That scares me. Um, that that scares me a lot. Um, so I think that might handicap some of the defensive packages they can run. Um, but Tyler Boyd is really the guy where I'm like, oh, man, he might have an absolute monster day from, from the slot. I don't know why anybody doesn't talk about this. And, you know, I, I hear so much about A.J. Green. And, look, I've always been an A.J. Green fan. But, it, you know, it, Tyler Boyd has been this team's best receiver. It, it, and we're talking like two years running now. And it's not a disrespect to A.J. Green. You miss a bunch of time. You get a little bit older, you know, and the Bengals have basically showed it with the fact that, you know, they basically cashed up Tyler Boyd. Just seems so weird that that does not get discussed enough, the growth and the development of Tyler Boyd. And for that, you give the Bengals credit because, you know, he was a little bit raw coming in, but, you know, put the, his nose to the, you know, put his nose down, put it to the grind, put it to the ax, and it's developed into a really, really good NFL receiver. And he's probably, in my opinion, one of the most – underrated receivers in this league. We're going to get to some game thoughts here, just the position that both these franchises are in. Jeff Lloyd, Corey Kinnon, on your pregame, locked on Browns. Seems a little weird to pitch this one here, but they are the best in the business, and whenever that all 22 drops, it will drop. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game, with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concept and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Guys and gals, I've been telling you about this for a while now. A brand new website launched August 1st called OhioVersusEveryone.com. The site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cleveland Browns, the Cavaliers, the Indians, the Reds, the Bengals, and of course, back to duty, your Ohio State Buckeyes. Thomas Valentine recently wrote an article about maximizing Odell Beckham and getting him back to the player he was that the Browns traded for. It's all your favorite teams, all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, they only bring you the best, most interesting topics. Check them out again. It's OhioVersusEveryone.com. That's Ohio vs. Everyone.com. Corey, as we roll into this, and it's a 
and for Bengals fans, I understand the excitement. You think you've got your guy, but it's a big stretch from going, picking number one overall. As we know, Corey, we've been there several, several times to getting yourself to seven, eight wins. The Browns, this is, I hate to say week two is a must-have, but if this team is 0-2 come 11-15, 11-20 tomorrow night, it is going to be a miserable, unbearable 10 days before that kickoff versus the Washington football team. It, it certainly will be unbearable on social media. Um, me, where I'm sitting, I would think, oh, if they lose tomorrow, I still don't know if it's that big of a deal. I don't know. I mean, it was the, I mean not as much last year, but I think because that ha- what happened last year happened, we now come into this year with just as high as expectations, even though we have a rookie head coach, a rookie offensive coordinator, and a rookie defensive coordinator. And so when you put that into perspective, it's like you have an entire rookie coaching staff, you have a quarterback in a system he's never played in before, and you want this team to go nine and seven, 10 and six. And to me, it's like, okay, well, they struggled week one. They're coming on a short week notice. Things are still probably going to be rusty. So if they come off and they lose Thursday, to me, I'm still like, okay, well, that, that's not the end of the world because, I mean, it, you can kind of see it if you're looking at the long picture from Sunday to Thursday. Um, but social media will absolutely be unbearable. People calling already calling for Baker's head, Stepanski's head, that this is a bad hire, bad quarterback, get a new one. Um, to where for me, I just want to see, okay, we're in week two now technically, but from week one to week four, can I see progress? From week four to week eight, can I see progress? From week eight to week 12, can I see progress? And from week 12 to the last game of the season, can I see progress? If the answer is yes all across the board, I really don't care what the record is uh, because, again, you have a new coaching staff, an entire new regime, uh, an entire new culture that they're trying to build. Um, So just putting so much expectation on that right away seems wrong, seems uh, to me, a little like, okay, I mean, I get it, but you have all this talent supposedly all over the all over the field, but I still think it's, it's time to take the foot off the gap a little bit and realize where this team might realistically be at. No doubt. And it's, but if, and it's, uh, it's not even so much social media as it may be the local media who, you know, is never ready to cover a decent franchise here as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. Um, Gun to your head, Corey. We're talking 11-15, 11-20 tomorrow night. Who comes out on the right side of Thursday Night Football? I'm going 24-20 Browns. I'm going 24-20 Browns. Oh, so you have them tripling their point total from week one. No. <laughs> I do. I mean, this is a, I mean, if you look at the, the, the Bengals defense, though, they're, they're, they have three out of their four linebackers are rookies. Their defensive line is mangled. William Jackson and Jesse Bates, maybe Von Dell are, are, are good players in their secondary. Um, but even William Jackson has, has been decent. Uh, so really, I just look at their secondary and I see Jesse Bates. But that leaves one whole corner and potentially one safety with Von Bell as like, okay, so, so the holes are abundant on the defensive side of the ball. So I think um, you saw the game plan on Sunday. If they're not playing from behind, I think we'll continue to see that game plan throughout the game on Thursday or tomorrow night. And I think that will lead to points. And um, rumor of, you know, the new Browns jersey, Brown jerseys, and perhaps a la orange, orange pants. The orange pants. Yeah. I hope so. That would be a sharp look. 
Absolutely. And and that was the probably the roughest part of Sunday was one of the nicest things were these new brown jerseys. Um, he is Corey Kinnon, and obviously you can check him out and read all of his work at Dog Pound Alley. And uh, with the first pick, um, you know, Corey, it, it's been great to develop a, a relationship with Corey here over the last six months um, and to see his growth. Really appreciate it, and he was able to jump in here tonight. And I thank him for that. Make sure you're checking everything out on either of those websites. Make sure you're following at Real Corey Kinnon on the Twitter machine. Me, myself, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, the show at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open, as you guys know. Guys, the activity the last few days, and you know, and even after Sunday, as rough as it was, I'm always here. I, I try to be here for everybody. I appreciate you guys. And look, if you're going to spend a half an hour with me on this show and anybody else who comes along for 30 minutes a day, the least I can do is try to repay you back in spades. So I will continue to do that. As you guys always know, Thursday Night Football, you'll get your post-game show tomorrow night. You guys know the drill. Final whistle. We sit down. We record. It gets put out there. Um, even as tough as you know Sunday was to do. So again, make sure you check it out. All of Corey's work. Busting his butt. And all I got to tell you is get a load of that guy. This has been your daily delivery of all things all found. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.